Hi, and welcome. My name's Allison Hobb, and this is my new podcast. Um, I'm a freshman at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, and today I really wanted to talk about something that I've been interested in for a while. If you talk to any of my friends or family, they'll tell you two things about me, that I love learning and that I'm a huge optimist. One of my favorite topics to learn about is human nature, especially the good parts about it. It warms my heart to see people across the globe work together to form close relationships, love one another, and care for strangers. So this brought me to the question, why do we cooperate? What can we do to maximize the amount of cooperation within our society? On today's podcast, we'll be diving into these questions and analyzing exactly why we cooperate and how to promote a cooperative society to create the best world that we can. I'll also bring in my twin sister, Rachel, for an outside perspective. So first, let's define cooperation. So Rachel, what do you think We're cooperation not means? Like introduce myself or anything? Okay, this is my sister, Rachel. Hi, I'm Rachel. <laughs> I'm her twin sister. All right, okay. Rachel, so what do you think cooperation means? Um, I think it means two people working together. Good. Awesome. So how much does cooperation mean to you? I think a lot, because I'm very stubborn, and if people don't, like, <laughs> cooperate with me, like... <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just, it's, like, needed. No, yeah. Okay, thank you. Cooperation is known as a behavior that provides benefit to someone other than yourself. This usually leads to two individuals working together for a mutual benefit. This is an important part of being human, and some have argued that cooperation and kindness are ingrained into our brains. But why are we so prone to work together? The answer possibly lies within the theory of evolution, which just happens to be one of my favorite topics of all time. Evolution is the change in gene frequencies across time, resulting in changes in populations. Evolution operates when certain genes are more or less frequent over time, and these gene frequencies are determined by selection. The most common way that genes are selected is through a process called natural selection. Natural selection states that genes that help an organism reproduce will be passed on to the next generation. As time progresses, only characteristics that help their organisms reproduce will exist. This means that an organism is more or less programmed by their genes to pass on as many copies of their DNA in order to survive and, more importantly, reproduce. The main takeaway is that the central hypothesis of evolutionary theory is that many of our traits serve an adaptive purpose that help us better survive and reproduce. Studying human evolution, therefore, is an amazing way to answer the why questions when it comes to our bodies and our minds, which is definitely one of the reasons I'm so passionate about the subject. I was always, you know, a why this, why that kind of kid. So naturally I wanna know <laughs> why things are the way they are. To solve these mysteries, all we need to do is to examine the benefit of a trait and ask ourselves if that benefit helps an organism survive. Using a similar line of reasoning, we can pose our question from before. Why do we cooperate? How does cooperating increase our chances of survival and reproduction? When we think about working together, we usually do so because both people gain something from the collaboration that they wouldn't have gained working alone. However, it's not that simple, predictably. 
Whenever we cooperate, we've decided not to betray or defect whoever we're cooperating with. Subconsciously, when we make this choice, our brains have compared the pros and cons of doing so and have decided that it's worth cooperating. Weighing the costs and benefits of different actions is a really effective tool to use in order to study human decision-making and is the perfect way to solve the puzzle of how cooperation evolved. When the way we choose which actions we do is influenced by our survival and reproduction, we can use a tool called evolutionary game theory. In game theory, we use math and probability to compare actions and determine the best strategy in any given situation. I'm a huge nerd when it comes to game theory because it allows us to quantify things that are just so nuanced and complex. One of the most famous games in evolutionary game theory is called The Prisoner's Dilemma, and it might shed some light onto how to solve our question of why we cooperate. Allow me to take you on a journey. Imagine this. You and your friend rob a bank and get caught in the act. The police bring you both in for questioning, but put you in separate rooms. One thing's for sure, someone's going to jail. Who's going, and for how long though, depends on what each prisoner does. Each prisoner has two choices, either to stay silent or to rat out their partner and blame it all on them. Since there are two prisoners, each with a choice between two options, there are four possible outcomes. So let's go through them. If prisoner A stays silent but prisoner B snitches, prisoner A will get a 10-year sentence while prisoner B walks free. And the same thing happens and vice versa. If prisoner A rats out B while B stays silent, A will be free while B will receive a 10-year sentence. If both prisoner A and B rat each other out, they'll both receive five years. If they both stay silent though, they'll both only receive one year in jail. Okay, so Rachel, if we robbed a bank and we were in this prisoner's dilemma, what would you do? Would you so, stay silent or would you rat okay, me so out? Okay, so if like, I didn't know that if like you ratted me out, then like, and I stayed silent, I'd probably stay silent. But since I know, like, I'd be too worried about you ratting me out. So <laughs> I'd probably, okay, if it was, I'd probably say we both did it because I know you'd rat me out, but that's not an option. No. So I'd probably rat you out because I feel like you would rat me out. And then we both, and then we would both get less time anyway, so it would work out you, for the No, we, we'd both get less time if we both stayed silent. Yeah, but I just would be too paranoid about you do it, not doing that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that makes sense, though, because remember when, um, it would make sense that you would, like, stab me in the back, because remember what? when we were in the womb, um, and you, like, stole my food? Um, just, I was, just for context, possible. I was, like, a pound and a half um, lighter than her. Which makes sense because we're fraternal, so we don't have the same genes. Well, yeah, so but how sense. would how would you eat so much more food than No, because than me? listen to me. Like, we're no more similar genetically than two siblings. And, like, yeah. when other siblings come out of the womb, like, at different times, like, they're not all the same mm. size. It's just how you are genetically. Okay. I still think you stole something. No, food, that's just that's not okay. how it works okay. at all. So if we were put into the prisoner's dilemma then we wouldn't cooperate. That's so sad. Well, it's sad that I think that you'd rat me out. <laughs> it is sad. Well, you would. <laughs> no, I would not. Yes, you would. I would say we both did it because, like, I'm honest. Okay. But that's not an option, which is stupid. Okay, that's fair. Let's reimagine that you are prisoner A. You're being interrogated alone and have no idea whether prisoner B will choose to snitch or stay quiet. 
Is there a way that you can decide what to do such that you'll always get the best outcome? In this case, the best outcome for you would be zero years in prison, but that can only happen if you snitch when your partner stays quiet. If you both snitch though, then you'll both receive five years. You can't control prisoner B's actions, so if you snitch, you'll either get a five-year sentence or none at all. Let's consider though, what might happen if you stayed quiet? Best case scenario, you both stay silent, and you both get just one year locked up. But if you stay silent while B snitches, you'll have to spend 10 years in jail, worst case scenario. If we evaluate this from a game theory perspective, you have two strategies, either snitch or stay quiet. Snitching would result in two outcomes, zero or five years, whereas staying quiet would result in a different two, one or 10. If we take the average of the two outcomes of each strategy, we can see that your choice is between an average 2.5 year sentence or an average 5.5 year sentence. This has got to be a no-brainer, right? The best strategy for you in this classic Prisoner's Dilemma game is to snitch no matter what, because the odds are that you'll get a lower sentence overall with this strategy. This should begin to dampen your hope for cooperation. <laughs> I know it dampened mine. Um, because in this case, selfishness is the winning strategy. However, it differs from real life in many important ways. Firstly, in real life interactions, we often have multiple rounds of each game, right? So this means that you'll choose between helping or hurting someone more than once, rather than just one time, like in the prisoner's dilemma. We can also remember the people who we interact with and kind of predict their strategies. So. To set up a game that accurately mirrors human cooperation, we have to specify that there's a certain number of rounds per opponent, that each player has the ability to remember the outcome of past rounds, and that each player wants to win. Using these new parameters, let's rewrite the prisoner's dilemma just a little bit so that it better encapsulates our cooperation problem. Just like last time, there will be two players at once, each with two choices. This time, we'll have cooperate or defect. In this version, the goal is to earn the highest number of points. If both players defect, neither of them gets anything, so they both get zero. If one defects and the other cooperates, the defector will earn three points while the cooperator will lose one point. If they both cooperate, though, they'll both earn two points. The average gain for defecting is still higher than that of cooperating, 1.5 to 0.5. However, we did make a key change to the way this game works. This time, there are multiple rounds with each opponent. Let's say 10 rounds in each game. If it's in everyone's best interest to earn as many points as possible, and if your opponent keeps defecting on you, it only makes sense to defect back to avoid losing a point. If that happens, then that would result in a net zero gain for both parties. Soon, cooperation would easily fizzle out and there would be no gains for anyone ever. This is a bleak world, obviously. <laughs> this should make you sad. So in this imaginary world where there's zero net gain, how could these players start earning points again without being taken advantage of? Okay, so now we're getting into a bit of history, but stay with me, it's really cool. 
Um, so this is a question that famous political science professor Robert Axelrod posed in the late 1970s. Most games in game theory have a strategy that will maximize a player's chance of winning, no matter what strategy their opponent chooses. In The Prisoner's Dilemma, that strategy was snitching on your partner in crime. Axelrod wondered, however, if there was a strategy that maximized a player's gains for this newly improved multiple-round Prisoner's Dilemma. To answer his question, he created an online competition between different computer programs. Anyone could submit a program that displayed any different pattern of cooperate versus defect that would play the game with a similar scoring system and with multiple rounds against another program. The winning strategy would end up with the highest amount of points. Um, so this competition took place and the results were completely mind-blowing. Um, so try to think of a code that would win this competition, right? I mean, you don't have to be a computer scientist, but um, I'm certainly not. But I would imagine that it would be pretty complex, right? It would heavily analyze the player's decisions, calculate the probability of this or that um, every time to completely maximize their gains. The strategy that came out on top, though, only had two lines of code. Let that sink in for a little bit. Two lines of code. The first line was start with cooperate, and the second one was play whatever the opponent played the previous turn. That's, that's it. So this infamous strategy is called tit for tat. It starts with cooperation, and in this way it starts off on a good foot, but Anytime an opponent defects, no matter what, tit for tat will retaliate by defecting the next turn. The reason that this is so successful is that tit for tat will not let opponents get away with taking advantage, but it is still perfectly open for cooperation as long as the other opponent cooperates first. Being able to forgive other strategies after they defect is essential because it increases the net benefit between the two players. It helps us avoid this bleak world where nobody's cooperating and there's just a net zero benefit. Okay, so after I learned about this, obviously I geeked out about it for a couple of hours, but then I asked myself, why doesn't everyone just always cooperate? So let's examine what would happen if every player always cooperated. That would mean a net two points gain for every player every round, which is a lot better than a net zero gain. The reason that always cooperating isn't a sustainable strategy, though, is because always cooperate is not immune to defectors. Imagine that a strategy that always defected played against a strategy that always cooperated. If this happened, each turn the defector would gain three points while the cooperator would lose one. Tit for tat is a strategy that maximizes cooperation in the most realistic way, and therefore is our best strategy for creating a world where we all cooperate. This whole tit-for-tat strategy is starting to sound quite familiar. Have you ever heard of the golden rule? Treat others how you want to be treated? Tit-for-tat logic tells us that if someone cooperates with us, we should cooperate with them. But if someone defects us, we should defect back. It seems so simple. Yet this notion is built into our minds because years and years of evolution has proved that this strategy was the most successful one. So Rachel, do you have any motto or saying that you live by? 
No. I don't know. It's like a really difficult question. Okay, can you let me think about it? Or are you just going <laughs> to say no? You can think about it. Okay, so you have one now? Yeah. I really, really believe in, like, karma. So I feel like the golden rule is what I live by. Treat the golden rule. You want to retreat? Yeah, because That's if you're... That's interesting. It's really not. I feel like it's very basic. But, like, I feel like if you're, like, mean to people, then, like, yeah. you're going to get the karma. Yeah. It comes to you. Yeah. Also, I just have, like, the worst luck ever. So I just oh. feel like I'm superstitious. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. the golden rule. That's yeah. good. Okay. Yeah. That's perfect. There is one more caveat, however. In real life, communication isn't always perfect. Sometimes we misinterpret other people's intentions, or sometimes we say something wrong. In real life, people make mistakes, and sometimes someone who intends to cooperate will accidentally hurt their opponent. This happens to all of us, including myself. Um, the other day, um, Rachel, my mom, and I were watching all of the Thanksgiving episodes of the show Friends. Uh, personally, I'm an avid Ross hater, of course. Everything he does annoys me to no end. In one of the episodes, he said something rude, probably a bit, you know, sexist or homophobic, typical Ross things. And, um, of course, you know, I started to complain about him. Um, and then, for some reason... He, like his high school GPA or SAT score or something came up and it was like 1290 or something and my sister said oh my gosh mine was higher than his I'm smarter than Ross and in my mind <laughs> I wanted to tell her like she's miles better than Ross like she's so much smarter than him um, <laughs> but you know I really wanted to hype her up but instead for no reason what came out of my mouth was there's not one person on earth who isn't smarter than Ross <laughs> which was absolutely the opposite of what I wanted to say. And it was just mean. <laughs> so, you know, that sort of thing happens all the time. Rachel, do you remember that when I said that? I felt so bad. Yeah, well, also, I feel like you say stuff like that all the time because you just subconsciously think that you're smarter than everybody else. Okay, well, um, I felt bad about that, so. It's fine. I, don't I really, didn't mean I don't to really, say it. I don't care that much. I thought it was funny because <laughs> it just showed, like, how unconsciously you, like, really just think that everyone's oh, dumb. It, no it just like came out wrong like i, just, I was no, trying I think to it hype was you your up subconscious brain oh okay being like well yeah everyone's smarter oh, than ross no, like well that's because he sucks well i just think it was it was it was okay it was also you trying to like prove your point about ross but it also just like you didn't even think about like yeah that, yeah yeah that's me. definitely true yeah because <laughs> you just unconsciously think that you're smarter than everyone okay that part is not true no, oh, that's fine. It is. Okay. I'm a psych major if anyone was wondering. Oh so I do actually know what I'm Not talking about. Not the psych major. You can see how just a simple miscommunication um, can sometimes hurt and it does have an impact on others. So in real life, it's not just cooperator defect. You know, you might try to cooperate when really it comes off as a defect. When these mistakes happen, tit for tat then defects back, which would likely cause the opponent to defect as well and the cycle would continue until the end of the round. This is a huge waste of potential because both people could have cooperated with each other in every single round and both walked away with a lot more points, but instead, they both walked away with none. How can we prevent instances like this one? There is actually one other strategy that slightly outcompetes tit for tat. It's called generous tit for tat. This strategy is nearly identical to the original tit-for-tat, but 
10% of the time when an opponent defects rather than retaliating by defecting back, generous tit for tat will have a 10% chance of not defecting. This leaves a bit of room for miscommunication and forgiveness if there's ever a long chain reaction of defecting when there's potential for cooperation again. Basically, giving someone the benefit of the doubt and offering forgiveness is, in the long run, the best strategy. Why does any of this matter, though? Evolutionary game theory can quantitatively show the value of cooperation in our society. We know that the highest net benefit for everyone is when both parties cooperate. This places a higher value on working together and really drives home the point that cooperation should be the main goal. Always cooperating, though, as nice as it sounds, isn't a realistic strategy because it can so easily be taken advantage of. Tiffertat or generous Tiffertat is the most realistic way to maximize cooperation while still being able to retaliate. These two strategies are heavily programmed into our brains from years and years of evolution. Cultures from around the world seem to follow the you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours philosophy automatically, and we can see these patterns everywhere. In everyday life, this is just a really great philosophy to have, you know, when you're talking to your loved ones or just living your life. It's already almost always the default, but at the end of the day, it's still important to remind ourselves to work together. Generous tit for tat especially is really useful for me because it can help remind me to forgive people around me. Not just because it's the right thing to do, but because it's more beneficial to me personally in the long run. Just like how I've forgiven Rachel for stealing nutrients from me in the womb, for the most part. On a societal level, Cooperating for a net benefit can solve so many problems. The biggest one that comes to my mind would be climate change. One of the main reasons that climate change is still something that we're fighting against is because of a phenomenon called the tragedy of the commons. So this is a thought experiment and it represents any scenario where in the short term, it's more beneficial for each individual player to exploit others, but in the long term, this exploitation will harm everyone, including the players themselves. In other words, the tragedy of the commons is a situation in which if everyone cooperates, but one person does something for their own gain that benefits them and hurts others in the moment, then everyone suffers in the long run, including that person. There are so many real-world examples of the tragedy of the commons, but like I said before, climate change is one of the most prominent. Countries have been trying to come together and coordinate in order to stop global warming across the globe, but attempts haven't been largely successful so far. Why wouldn't every country just want to take steps to reduce CO2 emissions and pollution? Well, fossil fuels are a lot easier to access and are a big part of many countries' economies, including my own, the United States. Those countries that depend heavily on the more polluting resources are perpetuating the tragedy <clears throat> United States, I'm talking about you. In the short term, some think it would be better for the economy if there were no regulations on businesses to curb carbon emissions since clean energy is expensive. But in the long term, if climate change were to continue in its path, there would be no economy as the world might become inhabitable. The smart thing to do is to think about the long term in almost every situation, but many countries 
like focusing on the short term because it's a lot easier. Now let's take another look at our prisoner's dilemma from earlier. If we only focus on the payoff of one round, the smart thing to do would be to defect because the average benefit of defecting is more than that of cooperating. Long term though, if every player defected over and over and over again, it's clear that both are missing the opportunity for extended cooperation that could provide a net benefit to each person. We can see the pattern, but how do we do what's best for everyone? All we need to do theoretically is revisit our tit for tat strategy and apply it to things like foreign policy. When another country breaks a treaty or refuses to cooperate, then other countries should refuse to cooperate. But once that country decides to adhere to the treaty again, then they should cooperate. This seems really simple, obviously, and it's just theoretical, but it's surprisingly not as easy a rule to enforce. Countries and governments hold grudges about each other, do things for power, the economy, and other reasons that don't have to do with the issue at hand. A strong tit-for-tat, even a generous tit-for-tat strategy for the foreign policy of a country could theoretically be one of the most effective ways to govern that we've ever seen. It's really incredible what evolutionary game theory can teach us about our society. If our goal is to maximize cooperation, we need to know how our brains are wired in order to realistically facilitate working together. Abiding by the rules that tit-for-tat demands is an effective way to maximize the amount of cooperation within our society. As we can see from our prisoner's dilemma, there is almost always an option that offers a net benefit for both parties, and cooperation is the way to achieve this benefit. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I really hope you liked my first podcast. Um, hopefully, there will be some more soon. Uh, see you next time. <laughs>